I think Dylan Coleman uh, saw this as a revenge game for the burning of Washington, D.C. during the War of 1812. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who got food poisoning on the day of our trip to Arizona and has been in the bathroom ever since, my brother Mike. <laughs> hey, that's not true. For a little bit, I was in the airport or airplane bathroom for about two hours straight. Yes, if you're wondering what absolute pure and evil hell is, it's spending two hours in an airplane bathroom on a cross-country flight. It was not good. I'm feeling a little bit better now and hoping that we can get to the game tomorrow. But yeah, it's been not great, and yeah, so have sympathy for me, weirdos, because woof, it's been rough. <laughs> As a result, I was the only one able to attend the Royal Spring Training game against Great Britain today. Uh, really, it wasn't a Cactus League game, but it was still a spring training game. They were still training. It was a lot of minor league guys and that sort of thing. We'll talk about that game today on this bonus episode. Yes, that's right. It is a bonus episode of Royals Weekly. We are coming out with some special content for you right now that'll drop on Friday morning so you'll be able to hear this. We'll have another one tomorrow morning, another one the day after that, right? Every day we're here, we're coming out with a bonus episode. So make sure you're tuning into that. Make sure you're following us on YouTube. I have found out how to do YouTube shorts. We're putting out a ton of YouTube videos about different things we're seeing at uh, at spring training. We're putting out video of guys, minor leaguers hitting, people hitting, fielding, all this sort of stuff. So make sure you're checking out our YouTube, subscribing there. Also give us a thumbs up, like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff you would normally do. But we're going to talk about what we saw today or what I saw today at spring training uh, for the second half of the show. For the first half of the show today, we're going to talk about last night's game. While we were in the air and Mike was losing his guts all over the plane, um, <laughs> the Royals laid down a beat down on the Chicago White Sox and Dylan Cease. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that game because I went back and watched it. And it's an important game that people are talking about, mostly because of how Brad Keller pitched. He pitched really really well and i think probably gave himself a leg up and maybe another leg up in this rotation battle mike what do you think about keller has he solidified this rotation spot with that performance or is it still an open question who's going to be of the four or five people in that rotation well in between trips to the bathroom i did get a chance to go back and watch that game and i think i think he did i think he's really kind of cemented himself as at least the favorite for one of those back end spots in the rotation he he looks like a different kind of guy and he's the slider is playing so well now that he has the the curveball the thing that was most encouraging to me as well was the number of swing and misses you just didn't see that many swing and misses from Keller last year and in in the three innings that he pitched last night uh, he was getting guys to swing and miss and I think that's going to be important for him yes he's a ground ball kind of guy when he when his two seamer is working well but what do you do when your two seamer isn't working well and he even mentioned that a little bit on the broadcast having the curveball helps a little bit when his two seamers not doing exactly what he wants to do. So if he can throw strikes, I think, I think he's got a chance to have a solid year. And you and I mentioned it, it may end up being a, a situation where Brad Keller comes in, does pretty well and gets traded, but still that's, that's value that you're gaining out of Brad Keller one way or the other. So I think he's, he's uh, made himself the front runner for a spot in the rotation. Absolutely. And if he pitches like a mid rotation starter for half a season, the Royals can expect really good return for him. I mean, starting pitching is the most valuable resource in baseball. It's tough to find for teams at the deadline. If he can show, hey, I'm a reliable mid-rotation starter, he'll be able to get quite a bit for him, and that'll help them in, in years to come. You know, So, uh, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought Keller looked great in that start. I thought you saw real aggressiveness from him in the zone. He was willing to throw that slider 
a lot. And that was another thing. He is leaning on that slider. He is clearly leaning on his best pitches now. And that's really the most important thing. You know, he can't be a fastball 55% of the time guy. That's just his fastball isn't good enough, but his slider is pretty good. And so he leans heavily on it and it becomes a much more dynamic pitch mix for him. It's much harder for opponents to know what is coming and when is it coming, you know? And that I think is also going to be important to, to watch how often is he going to throw his change up? It's, it's a pitch he doesn't like very much. Clearly he hasn't thrown it very much in his life, but he does have one. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see now that he's got the curveball too, does he start making mixing in the changeup, become a true four pitch pitcher for the Royals. Um, so yeah, the Royals went ahead and drubbed the White Sox yesterday, put 11 on Dylan Cease. They had 11 earned runs on him yesterday, which was insane and funny and kind of awesome. Um, so people are talking, you know, Cactus League champs once again, probably World Series champs too, who knows? Um, but let's talk about uh, what I saw at spring training today. If you haven't, if you haven't ever gotten a chance to come down to spring training, the, the coolest thing about it so far as I've experienced it is that when you walk into the complex and it's way before the game started, I, I walked in at 10, 10 a.m. today and there was stuff happening on every single field. They were, they were out there. They were taking infield practice. They were doing pitching fielding practice. Catchers were working on taking throws from the outfield. It was an amazing thing to see. There's just so much to see if you have a keen eye and you know what you're looking for. There's so much that you can see. And I saw a few really interesting things as I was walking around those backfields that I thought I'd point out today. And Mike, stop me if you ever want me to stop talking here and you have a question of any kind. Um, a few standouts that I saw as I was moving around, Peyton Wilson stood out to me today as I was moving around the backfields as somebody who I've never gotten a chance to look at live before. But man, when you watch him live, the athleticism that he has really pops out at you. And I didn't realize how good of a fielder he would be at second base until I watched him today. At second base, that man can field. He has quickness. He has range. He has a significantly better arm than I thought he did. He has great soft hands and great actions. He's the type of dude who you look at at second base and you're like, wow, this guy can really pick it. And I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward. If the bat is there, you're talking about a guy who I think can really definitely stick at second be a middle, an up the middle defender and a solid bat for you. And then you watch him on the base paths that he's quick as, as lightning out there. I saw him he in, in the minor league game that I watched today. He first, he hit one, they called it foul. I thought it was fair. Uh, it was like it, home run distance, put a charge into one down the line. They called it foul. And then he went ahead and hit like an Arizona chopper base hit over second base. And you see him walk, run the bases and it's just like, pew, 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 pew. I mean, one of those like crazy darting around it's, Really great to watch him out there with athleticism. Also in that minor league game, Jackie Bradley Jr. got a chance to hit a bunch because in the in the major league game today, it was all minor league players. In, in the actual game against Great Britain, they only played minor leaguers, basically. Nate Eaton got some time late in the game. You know, maybe one other hitter got some time late in the game. But for the most part, it was just minor leaguers. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit in that minor league game today, I saw. He hit three times in the first three innings and was destroying the ball. He hit a... A big-time double off of uh, Alec Marsh, I think. Almost left the yard uh, to pretty much dead center. He got a solid single against Taylor Clark. Uh, and so Jackie Bradley Jr. looks like he's in midseason form offensively. Never going to be that much offensively, but it's nice to see him hit a little bit. Yeah, he, he looked really good in the game last night. I mean, that was something that, you know, they mentioned on the broadcast. He's really struggled offensively with the Brewers and Toronto. Uh, it's good to see him. If he can give you something offensively, it feels like, good depth in the outfield for you because he can play center still, although it won't be an, uh, an elite level of center field like it used to be. Um, but he's, he's, you know, if he can hold his own in the batter's box, that's just a bonus for you right there, you know? So it's really weird because him and Fran Mill Reyes were guys 
you know, when Fran Mil Reyes was signed, I was like, ah, there's not a great chance he makes this team. Now I'm like, maybe he makes this team. And now with the injuries, Jackie Bradley Jr. gets signed. There's maybe a chance he makes this team too. So, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I never thought I'd say Fran Mil Reyes and Jackie Bradley Jr. on the 2023 Royals, but both of those are, are definite things that could happen. Well, here's the, I think you can pretty much chisel Fran Mil Reyes in stone at this point because of the injuries, because of the, you know, uh, how well he's done in spring training and how good he's looked in those plate appearances, not just the numbers. I'm talking like he looks much better, looks much more patient, looks like a more disciplined hitter at the plate. I think you can chisel his name in in stone to make the major league roster on opening day. Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't, I don't necessarily know that that would be the case opening day. Uh, but I would not at all be surprised if he ends up playing innings for the, for the Kansas city Royals this year. And who knows he might make it. I mean, if they decide to do something more interesting, with their uh, with the alignment of their bench, they might go ahead and just have him uh, make the team over on opening day. Yeah, I mean, if they feel like Nate Eaton needs to go to AAA and and play a little bit more, maybe that's a guy that that you know who isn't making the opening day roster. So maybe it's Jackie Bradley Jr. I, it's it's still tough, and we still got a ways to go. So you never know; there could be injuries and things like that. Still, you hope it's not to the same spot. You hope it's not center field or outfield at all for for the Royals yeah. because they, they've already lost enough there. So. But, um, you know, now I don't feel quite as uh, scared, I guess, with Jackie Bradley Jr. in there because I know that he can do so much. And if he can keep up with the bat, then he could be an asset to the team for at least a short stint if needed. Yeah, and the interesting thing about him defensively is you mentioned that the, the defense isn't elite as it once was, and that's true. It's not. But what's great about Jackie Bradley Jr. is his defense is insanely consistent. He's always been a consistent defensive performer. You won't see him have a gold glove year one year, and then he's he's like negative uh, outs above average or defensive run saved in the next year. He's he, You can count on him to be like a four to five, you know, uh, defensive war player every year. And so if you, if you get that from Jackie Bradley Jr., you're, you're very happy. You want somebody that level of consistency uh, as a backup outfielder. Uh, the third guy I'll mention as a standout uh, that I saw before the game, today's game even started, was Taylor Clark. And I don't mean he stood out like as in he pitched really well. Uh, he pitched okay. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, he's just now starting to pitch in spring training. So what's interesting about him is just that he's pitching. Uh, we hadn't heard from him in a, in a while. We hadn't heard a lot about like why he wasn't pitching and things like that. And so it's good to see him out there getting work in, knowing that maybe he has a chance to get be ready by opening day. If not, he'll probably just spend a little bit of time in extended spring training and then be back. He was an effective reliever for the Royals last year and could be a part of their bullpen. That bullpen's looking a little bit uh, crowded actually at this point with the way that they've pitched so far Amir um, Garrett went out and had another good inning today. And so uh, I don't know how Clark's going to fit into this bullpen, but it is good. The more bullpen guys you have, the better. And so it was good to see him out there throwing uh, an inning for that in that minor league game today. I do want to talk about the guys who played in the actual game today. The Royals played an exhibition game against Great Britain, uh, their WBC team. As a result, they played in a lineup of entirely minor leaguers to start. And so it was like Mikel Garcia and Nick Lofton and Tyler Gentry and uh, Dyron Blanco and Jackson Reitz and a whole bunch of other guys, right? All the all the names that we know and love uh, of the minor leagues. But Zach Greinke did pitch, which was really cool. I thought he pitched really or pretty well. He did give up a run, but that run was really scrapped together. Uh, I had a lot of respect for the Great Britain team. They played a lot better than I thought they would. They scrapped a run against against Greinke, um, he, but he still looked pretty good pitching. It was 90-91 uh, on the fastball in the first inning. Settled into 88-89 in the second inning and beyond for his fastball, but was just keeping guys fooled like normal. 
Um, I think the story coming out of this game for most people will probably be how Jackson Powar pitched. Now, what's interesting is he did have, I think he pitched two innings and had five strikeouts, uh, just like really looked like he couldn't be touched by these guys today. Uh, that is somewhat misleading, uh, but I think we can take a few things away. The big thing we could take away is he threw his fastball maybe 10 times today. He threw it, I would say, probably 20% of the pitches he threw were fastballs. He was definitely leading with his changeup. Now, that can be dangerous. Mike, What would? why would you say that leading with your changeup for Kowar can be dangerous? Because uh, it needs to be more of an out pitch for him, first off. Uh, and also, if you if you make a mistake early in a count with a changeup, it's not it's leaving the yard. It's not like a tough hit or whatever. It's a gone. And so you got to be really careful if you're throwing first pitch changeups to guys because you'll speed up their bat. You leave it in the middle of the plate. It's going to be gone. So um, and we've seen that from him in the past. Actually, we have we have seen that. Uh, but no, it, it, some, that's somewhat encouraging to me that that he realize maybe realizes that the fastballs the weak spot. I you know honestly. His changeup is his best pitch, and it has been when when he's locating it. I like his curveball okay. I would like to see him throw that a little bit um, to to lead hitters off with. And I think at times when we've seen him at his most effective, it, he's been willing to throw a first pitch curveball for a strike uh, to some hitters. But you know, I I can't. It, it's so hard for me to say stuff about Kowar because yes, he can throw the ball hard, and yes, he has a good changeup. I think for him, still the mental aspect of the game is still a big part of it. And I, I just wonder if he's ever going to be able to kind of clear the hurdle of, yes, you're a really good AAA pitcher. Can you do it in the major leagues? Unless something changes with that fastball or he finds a pitch that he can really lean on because it's hard to lean on a changeup as your go-to. You just can't do that. And so I, I really, he's the, kind of one of the ones I really wish they would try a cutter with um, just because he needs something different. The way, the way he's been doing it ain't going to work. Right. And, and I mean, you can name on one finger the number of guys who are change-up first pitchers in Major League Baseball. That's Devin Williams. He is the only one. There are no others. Uh, and so, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> uh, you know, so Kowar, he threw a lot of sliders today too. I agree with you. I think, like, I think they've told him to box, shelve, whatever you want to call it, his curveball. But if I were him, I'd be throwing a curveball. I'd be throwing a slider. I'd be throwing a change-up. And occasionally, very occasionally, I'd be throwing a fastball. Um, now, if he does change that fastball, if it becomes a sinker, if it becomes a cutter, I think cutter probably works better for him and his profile. But if it becomes something like that and is actually a weapon that guys aren't destroying, great. Right now, that's not the case. He's still got the same fastball. It's the, He gave up one hit today. It was on that fastball, I think. Um, I can't remember exactly. I shouldn't say that as a fact, but he gets it gets hit a lot. The fastball gets hit a lot. And so it was nice to see him look really good. I hope he builds some confidence from this. That Great Britain team he faced was not very good. They're not a they're not a collection of major league hitters. I'll tell you that right now. And so, I'm guessing he's not making the team out of spring training. Uh, but hopefully, he can find a pitch mix that works for him. He can find an arsenal that works for him because the arm talent is so very clearly there. Right? You don't come out throwing 95, 96 with a changeup that looks 70 grade a lot of the time and not have a significant amount of talent. Yeah, and I've said this about uh, Carlos uh, Hernandez many, many times. Great organizations never let, they don't let guys with that kind of arm talent not do something. They, they figure out some sort of role for that guy, whether that's changing a fastball to make it so that it's playable in a, in a bullpen or whatever it is. 
you, great organizations have to find a way to get use out of arm talent like Jackson Kowars. Speaking of very talented guys with new pitches, let's talk about Dylan Coleman. I'm sitting in the stands today, right behind home plate, right with all the other scouts. I'm not a scout. They are scouts, but I figured I'd jokingly call myself one. Um, I'm sitting there, and Dylan Coleman comes out, and I want to say the sixth or seventh, and he comes out, and he starts pitching, and something weird happened. He's throwing his normal 96, 97-mile-an-hour fastballs, and then I see him uncork a 90-mile-an-hour pitch that looks like a slider to me. 90-mile-an-hour pitch that kind of looks like a cutter. Might have just been his slider thrown really hard. He's throwing a lot of those 87, 88 and stuff. And so I was like, okay, that's weird. Then he uncorks a low 80s pitch that looks like a curveball to me. And I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> I thought I know knew D- Dylan Coleman as a fastball slider pitcher. I don't think I've ever seen him throw another pitch. And yet here comes this low 80s ball that looks like a curveball. And I don't know what the hell's going on. And so that all leads me to say, first off, he dominated this, this uh, Great Britain team, as you would expect him to do. But how interesting and scary is it for hitters if Dylan Coleman is developing a third pitch, one that would lie in the low 80s with the type of break you might expect from that pitch, and then a slider in the upper 80s, fastball in the mid to upper 90s. I've always appreciated guys that could, there are relief pitchers that, that had three solid pitches. Um, you know, Dylan Coleman, I don't think he'll ever be a guy. He's a power arm. You know, I think fastball slider is going to be his profile for a very long time. But can you imagine like, hey, you think the slider's coming at 89 and he drops a, a bender in there at 82? That's that's the same as a changeup. I mean, it's the same idea behind throwing a really good changeup. You're, you're going to get guys way out in front of that. So I, n- now you've given me something to watch for the next time I see him. Now, this was, of course, the perfect kind of place to play with a perfect kind of timing to play with a pitch you've never really used before. So if that was indeed what he was doing, I understand why he would do it in this uh, setting. But now I'm going to be looking uh, with intent the next time he pitches uh, so I can see if he pulls it out again, because that's that would be very, very, uh, very, very promising for Dylan Coleman if he were to add another elite level pitch. And here's the thing. He was on his way to being an elite reliever with just two. With just the fastball and slider, he's on his way to being an elite reliever because it looks like he's gotten the command under control a little bit. It looks like he knows what he's trying to do out there. He had the numbers last year to be considered a very good reliever. I don't think elite is what he was touching last year, but he was certainly on the path there. You add a third pitch to that, can anyone ever hit this guy if you add a third pitch to that? I don't know how you ever would, especially a right-hander. Can you imagine a right-hander trying to hit Dylan Coleman if he's throwing a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, an 88-mile-an-hour slider, and an 81-mile-an-hour curveball? I just can't even I can't imagine. imagine. Like, <laughs> imagine trying to hit the slider alone for me. I it's mean, like that, would be, that would be impossible. And the guys from Great Britain today, there was no chance in hell. No chance in hell <laughs> they were touching that slider. It was so good. I mean, the scouts in front of me were like, they were making audible sounds when, the, when that slider would be uncorked by him. That's how good he was, right? Like, and so, yeah, it was great to watch him pitch. He was on his uh, stuff today. And so uh, I'll be interested, and I'll also keep my eye out to see if that is actually a new pitch he's going to try and uh, work in. I think it'd be great and very interesting if he does. Uh, more pitches, please. I think Dylan Coleman uh, saw this as a revenge game for the burning of Washington, D.C. during the War of 1812. <laughs> you know, seriously. Yeah, he's a big sure. history guy. He's a big <laughs> history guy. Uh, anyway. 
I, we need to start a hashtag. You know how I'm big on like everybody should throw more pitches. That's our. We're gonna be a hashtag throw more pitches. That's our. That's our new thing, right? Hashtag throw more pitches. Yeah. All right. But anyway, enough of the pitchers. Let's talk about a hitter that we were really interested in. Mikel Garcia led today's game off, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what we saw from him or what I saw from him. Garcia is such an interesting guy because I went to the game thinking, okay, here's what I'm gonna be paying attention to the most. One, Mikel Garcia playing center field. I want to watch him in the outfield. What happened? He got virtually no chances in the outfield. <laughs> Two, Mikel Garcia at the plate. I want to see how hard he's hitting the ball. Like, what happens? He walked twice. Um, and so, you know, didn't get a great chance to see, like, exit velocity or how hard the ball is going on his battery like that. But it was classic Mikel Garcia, right? He works a count 3-1 and takes a walk. He walks on four pitches in his next at-bat. Then he hit a soft liner over the shortstop's head for a base hit. This is all classic Mikel Garcia, and it's valuable to the Royals. The question is, like, does it need to be on the Major League team right now? I mean, will it make them better right now? Probably. Should he be in AAA so he can continue to develop? That's the big question mark for me. Yeah, I think if you if you send him to AAA, and in that first third of the season, you're seeing a guy who's, you know, really hitting the ball with some authority, a lot of doubles, you know, maybe a couple of home run here or there, but you're still seeing the patient approach that he's shown his entire career, plus the really good level of shortstop that he's playing. Then I think you explore possibly bringing him up. And some of that will also depend on, you know, how, how are we looking at third base at the time? You know, how are we looking at, you know, maybe at second base, other places that he might be able to play because it doesn't feel like the Royals are ever going to pull Bobby Witt Jr. off a shortstop. Now, if we see some of the issues we saw with Bobby at shortstop last year, maybe that changes by the all-star break or something, but I don't, I don't think it will. So, you know, I, I love Michael Garcia. I love it. Be, I love that patience. That's the, that's the other thing. I know you're like, Hey, if he needs to hit the ball a little harder to stick at the major league level. And I agree with that, but I think his plate discipline makes him a usable offensive piece either way. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And, that's why he's so tempting as a dude to put in the major league on the major league roster on opening day is that plate discipline, that patience, his ability to work counts is so valuable. And he's just, you never have to worry really about bad plate appearances from him. And that's, you love that as a manager, you love that as a baseball fan, you love that. Uh, and so it's going to be tough. It's going to be, if I were the manager right now, I'd be sweating bullets. If I were JJ Piccolo, I'd be staying up at night thinking to myself, like, what do I do with Mikel Garcia? What am I going to – because I'd be so tempted to put him on the Major League roster and find a way to get him to play five, six days a week. You cannot put him on the Major League roster and just play him three days a week. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. You can't you can't pull the old bring him up and sit him on the bench. That's not that's not helping him in any way. And so, yeah, either, I either hope he's down there or he's playing almost every day. Speaking of playing every day, the Royals will play another game tomorrow. I'm going to go out there again. Hopefully Mike is feeling well enough that he can come out with me. Uh, we'll head the, we'll head to the backfield. We'll check out some minor league stuff again, and then we will watch the major league game. Mike, what are you hoping to see tomorrow when you get out there? Hopefully, what are you uh, planning to look at and focus on especially? Well, hope, assuming I can get out there, which I'm really hoping for, uh, I'm going to hope to see again, Michael Garcia, if he's, if he's playing tomorrow, what, uh, what kind of approach does he have? Where is he playing? Is he playing center field again? Uh, if he is, how does he look out there? The other thing, and, and I noticed this from last night's game, I, I want to see Hunter Dozier hit. Cause I'm not, you know, we, 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 in our episode last week, I think I was still selling on Hunter Dozier, 
but he's starting to convince me that he might be a usable piece. So I want to see how Hunter Dozier does, and and, and then I want to see who they're throwing. You know, how, how can we who who are we seeing uh, starting pitching wise that's out there, and how does that shake up the uh, the fight for those last two rotation spots? I still have not seen Chris Bubich pitch at all. So I, I want to see him throw. I don't know if it'll be tomorrow or when we're down here, but I hope we get to see him at some point. You know, it's spring when people are drinking Hunter Dozier Kool-Aid. That is like, <laughs> you know, it's spring. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping to look at uh, some more minor league stuff. I'm hoping to see guys like, uh, well, I want to see Gavin Cross in the outfield. I, we watched him. I watched him pit today, but he didn't get a whole lot of chances in the outfield. Uh, I'm hoping to see, more of Caden Wallace. I saw some of him today on the infield. Uh, hands were a little stiff, good arm, good athleticism over there at third. So I'm not too worried about him, but like he's, you know, I, I don't think he's a 60, 65, 70 grade defender, but I would say maybe a 55 grade defender over at third base. Um, looking to see a little bit of that. Uh, Hayden Dunhurst is a guy. I watched a little bit of his catching practice today. I'd like to see more of him uh, behind the plate uh, during those minor league games. And then pitching-wise, I'd like to get a look at, you know, some of the other major league arms. I'd like to get a look at, uh, like you, I'd love to see if Bubich pitches sometime tomorrow. I'd love to get a look at that. Uh, I'd like to see in the bullpen, I'd like to see guys like Richard Lovelady. I'd like to see some of those fringe bullpen guys uh, in action because it's going to come down to it. The bullpen, a lot of the bullpen guys have pitched really well. And so it's going to be a big question of, it's Game of Thrones to see who makes that last uh, or, or what hunger games to see who makes that last uh, couple of bullpen slots because they've just all done pretty well. That'll be all for this episode of Royals Weekly, this bonus episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out all our YouTube content. We're putting out more stuff every day. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're putting out a bunch of stuff through there while we're, while we're down here in spring training. And we'll have another bonus episode for you tomorrow. So get ready for that in your uh, podcast feeds. We'll see you then. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals.